Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 1460 KXNO. Glad you're with us for the next couple of hours, portions of which are brought to us by our friends at Fuller Dental. Dr. Stephen Fuller, he's my dentist. He can be yours. A couple of locations, and they are accepting new patients. Uh, 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines and out in Altoona. Boy, big piece in Altoona on the front page of the register today. Has that city ever grown? Uh, great job in Altoona. Just continues to expand as change significantly since 30 years ago when I first moved there, no doubt about that. Uh, They're located on 8th Street, which has always been the main artery in Altoona, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona, 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines. So if you're new to the area, uh, looking for a dentist, Dr. Stephen Fuller, check him out online, fullerdental.net. Coming up on the program today, since we are off, with the exception of 30 minutes tomorrow, 15 or so will be Spent with David Kaplan in his regular spot. Eight minutes or so will be spent in commercials, so we're going to have very little time, Trent, to preview West Virginia and Iowa State. So we'll do that today with Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. It's Tuesday. That means Miller and Condon's bracketologist? Yeah. Can we call him that? Well, he's been with us now for well over a month. You found, well, more than that, going back the last couple of years, you found him when he was. A fledgling bracketologist? Well, he worked for USA Today. So he's always with USA Today yes, when you had yes. him. Gotcha. Now, I have numerous bracketologists that I've used in the past, but you find one you like. Nah, you like to he's just, my guy. You like to dig your heels in. Yep. That, that's the guy. We haven't had Dave Woman on. He does NBCs. He is... Yeah, the hell with him. I know. You just... You, you always move on. You, no Jerry Palms of the world. Palm kind of annoys me, too, so I get that one. Yeah, he's um he's okay. He's um, fine. He, he's all right. But you know what? Let's have your guy on... Maybe going into this weekend or okay. something. How about the games this weekend? We'll talk about the games last night. And I've got, well, I think it reaffirmed what I thought. And I'm sure you're the same way. And we'll get to Virginia in a second. And we'll get to the Big 12. Um, Shelby Mass coming up here. Um, this weekend, Michigan, Michigan State, Duke, North Carolina. You know, there was. I don't know if you saw halftime last night or what you did during halftime of the games. The Big 12, was it? Early games, like whatever. It was uh, Jay Williams and Seth Greenberg, and they were they put up the four teams. Those four teams on the board, and it didn't have wasn't a your life depends on picking one winner. But Duke, North Carolina, Michigan, Michigan State. Which one do you feel best about winning this weekend? One, just give me one of those four schools. Who is going to win? Carolina. We know two, we know two of them will. Carolina. Because of no Zion, that and it's well, we at don't Carolina. know that for sure yet. But it's, it's in at Chapel Carolina. Hill. Yeah. Yep. Chance at getting the season sweep? I'd yeah. say Carolina. Okay. Michigan, Michigan State is a complete toss-up. The, the game's in East Lansing. Yeah. Didn't matter that it was Ann Arbor. Michigan right. State beat them a couple of weeks ago. Carolina would be my answer. Carolina would be your answer. See, I would go Michigan. Yeah, really? In I, East Lansing? I think Michigan State is coming off a loss. They play their final two games at home. They don't have to travel. Nebraska tonight, right? Tonight yes. or tomorrow? Tonight. I think it's early, too. Six o'clock. Six. Beautiful. Um and then they host Michigan over the weekend. Uh, that was pretty good. That was a pretty good poll, I thought. Anyways, I don't know if it's going to matter though of those four teams because I think we saw the best team in college basketball I'm last with night. You, Trent, I'm totally with you. And we're not talking about Texas Tech, no, or 
or Kansas State. Were those two big? I was so pumped is a little over the top, but looking forward to those two Big Twelve. Maybe we're going to learn something last night. Maybe Kansas is going to be let back into this thing. At least let's have good games and right down to the end. Trent, it was a struggle trying to find either of those two. It was 11-9 Texas Tech early mm-hmm. um, over Texas, and then they just opened up and Texas couldn't make a shot. Conversely, over on uh, was it ESPN2, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, K-State and TCU were going at it, and that game was never in doubt. Uh, TCU cut it to, I think, 9 Maybe eight with ten minutes or so left in the second half, but either one of those games, not a lot of drama in them at all. And, well, the Texas Tech Texas game—that's where I it was probably tough to watch. Yeah, it was boring. Yeah, that's where I spent a majority of the time. It was just—it was ugly basketball. But that's the grind of an eighteen-game. Yeah, you play everybody twice. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to happen when you're playing these last. And games. the Red Raiders will guard you, and they did last yep. night. And how about this for a concept? I'm guessing. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and th- and, told, and Chris Beard in one of his team meetings prior to taking on Texas, emphasized and actually got it through to the kids, okay, guard Febres because he's going to shoot the three, and Febres was 0 for 5 from behind three and 1 for 10 overall. The game before, two days ago, 48 hours ago. 8 for 10. 8 for 10 against Iowa State, (laughs) and that was the game plan to take him out. Well, obviously they didn't, but miraculous things happen when you you listen to your coach. Chris Beard is an incredible coach, and Mm -hmm. we'll see if Texas Tech, if this is... His destination spot because he's going to have opportunities, isn't he? UCLA, yeah. There's going to be there's going to be some schools come calling, Trent. Yes, I I mean that's the blue blood that is out mm-hmm. there. That so what's his connection to, to 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 Lubbock? His kids were born there. Obviously, he was there with Bobby Knight. Yes, but he's not from there, is he? I think he's a Texas guy, though. I I want to say. So, Could so, be off on that. So maybe there, maybe it's more than just his children were born there. Maybe there is some... Are you Googling? I'm Googling right now. Let's see. Uh, born in Marietta, Georgia. Well, that's that's not Texas. Yeah, I guess it's just the Bobby Knight connection. Mm-hmm. Looking through his resume. He was a student assistant at Texas. Grad assistant at Carnan Word, which is in Texas. Mm-hmm. So he has been there a long right, time. Right, right. So that's where it all started, in Texas. Well, uh, selfishly for the conference, I hope he stays. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think he's doing a nice job. It's good. Texas Tech was picked where? Seventh preseason, I want to say. I'm pretty sure they were picked seventh. And they're going to... Look, it's as simple as this, right? If either K-State or Texas Tech wins this weekend, and we know where Texas Tech is going to be, K-State's where? Do you know? Mm. I should know this. We should have these memorized. We talk about them so damn much. <laughs> and it's almost like we you have overload sometimes. There's too much in there sometimes. All right. Big 12. They got K Oklahoma. State. They're home to Oklahoma. Oh, they're home free. Yeah, I think so too. They're home free. Uh, Kansas has Oklahoma tonight. So it's over. I think it is. Trent. It's over. So are you going to say, Ken, you're right? It's over. <laughs> Now you got to go back ten years. I think when I first probably got on this, it's over. They can't do it again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look at it. you're asking. They're not going to win five in a row. They're not going to win six in a row, seven in a row, eight in a row, and fourteen on and in a row, on and on and on and on. We go, and here we're finally going to uh, get one right. But it's been a remarkable run. Mm-hmm. Say what you want about Kansas, they've always got the target in their back. Whatever building they're in, if they're hosting, if they're playing at home, that team's going to come in there. A because you want to win at Fog Allen. Yeah. 
I mean, they, so you can pose for a picture at midcourt afterwards after you've knocked them off. Uh, they're, you're going to, they're going to get your best shot each and every night. And remarkable run. K-State, Texas Tech. Do you want to share or do you want one of these two to separate? Because they split the regular season series K-State and Texas Tech did. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Fine with it? Yeah. We get two teams. Who's to get the to coach of the year? Chris Beard. Oh, what about Weber? Well, Texas Tech was picked seventh. K-State was picked second. Yeah. K-State was a top 15 team preseason. Mm-hmm. Both coming, coming off, off the, elite the elite eight, eight right? Yes. Yeah. Texas Tech lost a lot more. Yeah, they did. Excellent. Because you, you, bang, ding, end the contest. Yeah. You just said the magic words. K-State got everybody back. Yeah. And Not, Keaton Evans isn't there. Anymore. No, 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 no. Um, Zaire Smith? Yeah. He's in the NBA. Yeah. The answer is Texas Tech. Yeah. The answer is Chris Beard. Chris Beard. Who's the, who's the coach of the year in the Big Ten? Because we know DeVries is going to win at the Valley. Yes. And he'll that... get that trophy 48 hours from, actually about 50 hours from now, he'll be walking to the stage to get it. And we didn't talk about the news yesterday, another yeah, injury no, Did we Trey. know that? Not at the time, no. Wilkins, right? He's out yes. for the year, a freshman, got what's double digit? Yeah. By the way, um, I don't know if you've been to the ESPN page at Drake, Drake's ESPN page. I told you Zubin and I were texting back and forth, yeah. right? And Zubin, I, I think he's going to try and have McGlynn on Sports Center. He asked me, you know, for a recommendation. That's awesome. So I said to Zubin, because somebody pointed this out on Twitter, Zubin, if you go to Drake's page and you click on any one of the bios, it's the same picture. Or, you know, they have the, uh, <laughs> they have the stats, yeah. you know, the points leader, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. It's, it's McGlynn's name, but it's not a picture of him. So I said to Zubin, I said, maybe you could make somebody aware at the, like you don't have anything else to do when right. you're hosting sports. He said, yeah, I'll, I'll pass it on. So I come in today, I clicked on uh, ESPN.com and went to Drake's page, and lo and behold, Zubin Mahente getting things done in Bristol. That's incredible. He's your full service sports center anchor. I'm looking at it right now. Everything's updated. The pictures are all Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Looking great. Yeah, McGlynn's picture, Norton's picture. Yes. Uh, I have no idea whose picture was using. Uh, they were using. Um, it was an African-American guy, and I, I have no idea who it was. But, now, the, but the bug, whatever it was that struck the ESPN.com Drake page, has been ironed out thanks to our guy, Zubin, who joins us today at 1120. Now, if you still click on Nick Norton... No. Uh, that is not, not Nick Norton when you click on his actual bio. Okay, so Zubin's got some work to do. A little more to do. That's the picture. That's the picture that was been, was used all across the board. For every, Whoever that guy is. Let's see if I click on somebody else if it's going to be the same thing. Let's, let's no, go to Brady giving, Ellingson. I was just giving Zubin oh, all Brady's good. Yep. All right. They got Ellingson up there. All right, so Nick Norton's Nick, not right. Nick Norton's not right. Make a note of that and tell him before he comes on the air. They're working on a few of those bugs out there. Speaking of Norton. Yeah. They are going to try to get a six-year of eligibility for mm-hmm. him. How many games did he play? He played... 14. I'm looking at it right now. 14. 14. That's a lot. It's got to be what's... Uh, the threshold is a third of the season. Yeah, I think so. And that's yeah. more. I mean, that's... And that's 42 games to get to a third. Good math on you, Trent Conn. Good hey, Osage. Just very yes, quick on yes. you. Yes, uh, Thank you to uh, the elementary schools up north. Uh, yeah, highly unlikely. And it sounds like, though, he is going to stick around and be a grad assistant. Is and, he? And start. Mm-hmm. There, there's talk so of Woodley that. So Or maybe he decides, try hoops for a while, go overseas, make a little money, then come is back. Is he good but, enough to do that? Oh, yeah. Is yeah. he? Yeah. I, there's, there's a lot of guys head overseas after every are. college basketball year. Now, he's. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that you hear making three hundred, four hundred thousand right, a year. Right, right. He can go over, make 70 grand, play some hoops, yeah, see yeah. the world. I guess. Would come you back that? and start. Oh, yes. Would in, you? In, would in you, a, you would go to Turkey? Oh, yes. Would you? Yes, no, in a me. second. I mean, you can put me in Bulgaria. You can put yeah. me, I don't know, think of some awful place. Yeah, 
Make a little money, see the world? Nah, I'm all about I that. I don't think I would. I'm at the 38 and at 22. I definitely would have been about that. Gotcha. Well, uh, let's go back to where we started, and that was uh, both of our proclamations that the best team in college basketball played last night, and that's the Virginia Cavaliers. Um, Trent... <laughs> What what what's the weakness? What what can't this team do? We saw them hit eighteen threes. Here's the remarkable stat from last night. A couple of them. Syracuse goes to after twenty minutes. Syracuse, Bayheim takes his team to the locker room with the lead. Mm-hmm. With home. the lead at home, in the dome. Thirty. What was the score? 31-30, something like that. Close. Thirty-four, thirty-two. Thirty-four, thirty-two. So they go into the locker room with the lead and got uh, they what put up nineteen points in the second half. Mm-hmm. So if you take just the threes. That Virginia hit yesterday, Mr. Osage Math. They hit 18 threes. Yes. That's 54. Yeah. Syracuse scored 53 points overall. Just the three pointers got it done. Just the three pointers got it done yesterday. Outscored Syracuse. Going a little That's remarkable. Further north for that math there, up to Canada. Good yeah. Work. <laughs> um, where was my. Uh, Chris Buchanan Elementary Buchanan. School. Buchanan. Buchanan Elementary School. Indeed it was. This is why Virginia is different than last year. Last year, they didn't have DeAndre Hunter. No, and boy, they had him last and, night. And whoever that, I can't think of the kid's name that went off for Maryland-Baltimore County last year. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever it was. Mm-hmm. They just say, Tony Bennett says, all right, you're going to go over here, you're going to guard this guy, and the guy won't score again mm-hmm. because he's that good of a defender. Can, they didn't have him. You're right. Can you imagine, Trent, if they pull this off from where they were, mm-hmm. from history... The laughing stock of college basketball. Absolutely. The one historical fact that you never want to be that team. You go from there to cutting down the nets mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. Yep. Think about that. It's a huge accomplishment. Oh, my. And, and they've it, got every bit of opportunity to do it. I think they're terrific. And if you were listening to us up the dial back in November, I told you, take a future wager on Virginia and Gonzaga. What, and what did you... Oof. Yes. And what do you... You have both? I have both. And what do you have both at? Twelve to one for Gonzaga, fifteen to one for Virginia. Wow. You got to love your chances. Oh, I'm feeling good. Do you know there's a um, a company now that will buy your bet? Yes. yes, they're on Twitter. What's the? Is it's not hedge? It's that's what it is essentially. Yes, but, and, and it goes back. I, I've I've heard about it, but then I think it really started to gain traction right before the NFC Championship game. Cousin Sal, who does that show on FS1, yep. the gambling show, yep, yep. with uh, Clay Travis. He They invested a whole bunch of money in whom? The Saints. Eesh. They It was a ticket, I want to say it was 30-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and the guy invested in, the, in it. Yeah, and I think that both Cousin Sal and Clay Travis each put up like $30,000. Mm-hmm. It would have been a back pay of then like 150 to that, them. Right. Well, that... Ticket burns after the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Would you sell either either one of those tickets right now? Uh, I mean, you don't have enough money on them. Right. right. Yeah. I, I don't have Thousands. hundreds of right. dollars. Right. You, I mean, you maybe have 10. Yes. These are lottery tickets for me, mm-hmm. and I like to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big-time wager by any no, means. No, you, you refer to it as your sports, what do you call your sports tax? Entertainment Entertainment tax. tax. It's my entertainment. It right. keeps me invested. It keeps me interested last mm-hmm. night. And last night, when those Big 12 games were awful. They were bad. Well, at least Not I got a little, bad. They were just. I got a little something, something on it, and Texas makes a little run at the end. Hey, maybe I'll get a backdoor cover out of it. Mm-hmm. That didn't yeah, happen. It wasn't going to happen last. It wasn't going to happen. But you did throw out a team yesterday: New Jersey Institute of the Blind, <laughs> or whatever, New Jersey Institute of Technology. Yes, um, that was a winner. <laughs> I got a future wager on North Florida to win the Atlantic Sun at eighteen to one. Do you think I have a problem? No, I think you have fun. I have fun with you it. You have fun with That's it. That's the way. Uh, back to Virginia for a second. Mm-hmm. 
Kyle Guy last night. <laughs> Kyle Guy every night. Hunter Jerome Guy. Yes. Uh, Diakite, nice player. Uh, Huff can come in from off the bench. Salt gives him basically nothing other than five fouls and six foot ten. He's just a mas- big guy in He's the middle. He's a big guy yeah. in the middle, right. <laughs> What's the weakness? If they get in one of those games that is up and down, can they keep up? And if they're not hitting their threes? Yes. I think that kind of goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Pace, they're so good with the pack line defense and slowing it down. And teams play at their tempo. But look at what Duke did to them both times, their, both their yeah, losses this right. season, two different ways. Mm-hmm. One, they said, all right, maybe the pack line's not going to work very well. And Duke hit a bunch of threes. And then the other time, all right, let's go back to our old defense. And then Duke was able to carve that mm-hmm. up. So maybe the, it is matchup dependent for them, too. But we don't know if that same Duke team's going to show up again this year. And when Zion's back, yeah, and have is you he seen tentative? anything regarding tonight? Because as we talked to Rob Doster yesterday, he thinks, and, and you know, this is just his opinion, mm-hmm. that if Zion is going to play in Chapel Hill this week, he essentially needs to play tonight. Now, I'm not sure if I would go there, um, but I, I get the logic behind his his, his opinion that. Look, they're gonna, if, if he's going to play, you just can't throw him out there against North Carolina in Chapel Hill, your biggest rival on the road after you got smacked around when you blew a shoe, you know, less than a minute into the uh, game at Cameron. I think I he know. can. I think he can. I think you can throw him out there for Carolina. I'd rest him again. If I'm K right now and the decision comes down, all right, he's medically cleared, he's fine, he can play, mm-hmm. let's hold him back. Mm-hmm. Let's throw him out there completely mm-hmm. fresh for Carolina. I'd be, that would be the route that I'd take. But Wake Forest, you know what the number is in this game? What is it? 26. Oh, my God. A conference game, maybe without Zion Williamson, and it's 26. Uh, where have you gone, Tim Duncan? Yeah, that's for sure. Um, that's that's for certain. Uh, all right, so coming up, we're going to talk to Alex Halstead, the, the Big 12. Do you have an opinion as to they're both going to win? I think I think Texas Tech's going to be celebrating on uh, uh, at Hilton Coliseum this week. I really do. Cutting down the nets. Do you, do you get to do that? Do you get to do that? Drake is having their ceremony tonight over at the Nap Center. Are they? Yes, uh, a net cutting ceremony at six thirty for people that wanted to That's stop cool. by there. Yeah, probably. It's kind of in bad taste to do it in somebody else's mm-hmm. floor, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it is. Are they going to have somebody go back to the janitor closet? Hey, you got, got a ladder back there for us. We want to cut down the nets yeah, here. Yeah, you know what? You probably if, if you're going to, obviously you're going to wait. Are you? Are you going to wait for the building to clear out? I think you probably should clear the building. Then you come back. You get the ladder. I I don't know. Well, we'll see because I think it's going to happen. We'll we'll talk about it on Monday. Did mm-hmm. they or didn't they? Shelby Mast did in uh, about 25 minutes. John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com. Boy, his piece at HawkeyeNation.com. Um, the piece that he opined after the lessons uh, a lot of us learned last week regarding um, Gary Dolphin and how we can be better of it and just because, um, you know, it's 2019 and everybody needs to look at things differently, especially, um, you know, my demographic and, you know, guys in 50s and 60s. Because as we said last week, this wasn't uh, standard when we um, operating equipment it just wasn't. Uh, John wrote a great piece. I'm anxious to yep. find out how many people read it. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, my ton. God, because Twitter just exploded. And, and it wasn't just that. I, I think more than the sports realm, this was a story that got out past yeah. Hawkeye fans right. and sports fans in general and state of Iowa fans. This was something that my mom and her friends were talking about, You know, people that mm-hmm. 
don't go to Hawkeye Nation every day. You know, aren't sitting around and, and reading Hawkeye message boards every day. Right. And they found this story, too. Well, take the time out. Alex Halstead, again, uh, we have a real quick show tomorrow. Uh, David Kaplan is going to be a part of it. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Ice. So we got to get Cappy in. Uh, we're going to do a day in advance, get Alex Halstead in here, preview West Virginia, Iowa State. Uh, it just sounds as though, um, well, Cam Lard and Steve Prohm apparently spoke yesterday, and uh, Lard's been reinstated and is going to be with the team, and how much he plays, I haven't seen any restrictions to whether he's going to, um, you know, be docked any minutes. I wouldn't anticipate that's the case. But we'll talk about that with Alex Halstead. Shelby Mass does our brackets uh, coming up here in about 20 minutes. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Station 1460 KXNO with you until noon. John Miller, Zubin Mahenti, in the 11 o'clock hour, 15 minutes from now, Trent and I will speak with Shelby Mast, Gannett's bracketologist, as we take a look at the latest from uh, Shelby in about 15 minutes. Uh, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. We move him up one day, talk uh, preview. Uh, West Virginia, as they host Iowa State tomorrow, do some combine as well as he spent some time out there over the weekend, and Alex joins us. Alex Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Alex Halstead. How are you? I'm doing good, yeah. Back here in Iowa, and uh, a big week for Iowa State uh, basketball You know, before they go to the Kansas City next week. And as you pointed out on Twitter this morning, they are now locked, right? After last night, they will be either the four or five seed, and all likelihood facing, yuck, Baylor again. <laughs> Yeah, looking to that 4-5 game uh, now after Texas lost last night. Now, they still tie with Texas in the conference at 9-9 nine and nine if, if they don't win either game this week. Uh, but because of tiebreakers, because Iowa State beat Texas Tech um, and they both split with Kansas State, uh, Iowa State would win a tiebreaker and, and will be in that 4-5 game. So it's going to be a morning tip next Thursday. And, uh, yeah, like you said, most likely Baylor. Uh, unless Kansas loses both games this week. And uh, the likelihood of that, well, maybe with a, a conference title off the table, it could change, but we will see with the Jayhawks. So with that, uh, we look forward to this week, West Virginia road trip before the finale at home against Texas Tech. The question about Nick Weiler-Babb, kind of a two-part question here, just about his availability and what he's dealing with and if they feel like maybe they can get by against West Virginia, even on the road without him, if it is one of those injuries that is kind of on the cusp. And then secondly, there was a video that came out Saturday after he went down with that injury, and it was Linda Wigginton took a step over to him and then just walked away. Got a teammate on the floor, and I know to some people that means a lot. To some people it means a little. Two-parter, Weiler-Babb availability. Second part, your takeaway from what you saw, and Wigginton turning his back in a way, to his injured teammate. Yeah, so to the first mm, part, I never saw that. Um, you know, it sounds like Nick Weiler-Babb may be unavailable Wednesday. That you know, Steve Prohm said he's probably going to be a game-time decision, but then multiple times said 
you know, they might play it safe because they've got two tournaments coming up and mm-hmm. they'd rather have him available for the Big 12 tournament than the NCAA tournament rather than rush him back. It did not sound like he was going to practice yesterday or today. Um, but, you know, we'll see. You know, sometimes with those injuries, all of a sudden they show up at a place and, and the guy plays. But, you know, Pro made him sound a little bit doubtful, but the best word probably right now is questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he doesn't start, it's obviously Linda Wigington back in the starting lineup for the first time since the season opener. Um, the second part, that is actually something I've seen on Twitter a little bit. People they tweeted at me about it. It was on the message board a little bit. I think that's kind of representative of, of maybe some of the issues over the last three weeks. You know, that, that was a comment that, you know, battling around the floor for quite a while, and the only person that really came over was the trainer, you know, a few minutes later. So um, so I think that that's kind of a concern. You know, they've, they've lost two or four of their last six games. Um, they're kind of in a rough spot right now, and I think that's kind of representative of, of some of the things overall, although, you know, Steve Prohm's biggest worry is, is that their defense is slipping here in the last few weeks. Yeah, and rightly so. He should be worried about that, especially after, you know, the game plan was to guard Fabries and not let him shoot threes, and then he lights him up uh, the way that he did. I remember the trainer thinking to myself, wow, is somebody going to get out there and help him? I don't recall the Wigington thing, and I didn't see it on Twitter, but I'll have to look for it. That's, that's interesting. So if Widerbab can't go tomorrow, Wigington's not going to play 40 minutes, at least you would assume. Who's going to take those backup minutes, do you think? Well, a guy that that we've seen play a decent amount against West Virginia in the past, you know, whether that was earlier this season or last year, is Duran Talley. You know, it's mm-hmm. possible that they maybe go that direction a little bit. You know, he's a guy that's gotten a little bit more run recently anyways, and they've used him in the past to, with some success against West Virginia. So, you know, maybe him, you know, maybe it's a game where Terrence Lewis gets a shot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he hasn't necessarily taken, taken range of some of his opportunities that he's gotten, but he probably hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities either. So maybe that's a a place they go as well. But, you know, as we've talked about here before, you know, Linda Wiggins has only been averaging about 25 minutes a game at times. And, you know, obviously he'll probably play in the mid-30s if, if he starts. And um, I think he's probably looking forward to that. He was pretty quiet when asked about it yesterday, basically downplayed how big of a deal it would be or not. Um, but he scored 28 against West Virginia last time. And, and Steve Prohm said this is the type of game that Wiggington has had success in because, it's, you know, when you're playing against West Virginia, it's all about spacing and, and those sorts of things, and, and that's what Wigginton really brings to this team. You know, I want to ask you more about one more on Wilder Babb, because there were times, Alex, especially in the month of January, I thought he was the MVP of this team. And, you know, I remember saying that, you know, Cyclone fans are really going to realize what this what he brought to the team when he's not there next year. And they're going to look back and they're going to say, you know what, maybe we should have given him a little more love. He was an important cog in this team. Yet in February, his game certainly has changed. I mean, he hasn't had the impact. How much of that, you know, not swoon, but Certainly, he's, I don't think he's been in good in February. You can say that for a lot of guys, sadly, on the roster. But he's been a different player. How much of that is injury-related, do you think? Yeah, he, he's definitely been less aggressive, and I think that's something that Prohm has struggled with him really through his whole career. Is, you know, he's tried to, at times, get him to be more aggressive, and then he'll kind of go in spurts. You know, you'll see him not be aggressive for most of the first half, and then maybe he got a little talking to at halftime, and then he's aggressive coming out of the break and you know attacking the rim and those sorts of things. It, He's kind of been back and forth in that regard. The injury part isn't also interesting because you think back, he's really broken down, at least for sure last year. You know, last year, obviously, he got shut down for those final weeks of the year because of back and, and knee mm-hmm. injuries. This one sounds like it's more of a, a bruise. You know, he made contact with a Texas player, but maybe there is more to it, you know, than, than just a bruise. Um, but if it is just a bruise, you know, they're at least saying that it's not really connected to what he dealt with last year, but that it is an observation, I think, that, 
you know, the last couple of years, he's kind of down the stretch, worn down a little bit, and, and he has played a lot of minutes this year. He's averaging almost 35 minutes a game, and you kind of wonder if as they get to March and now into March, if those minutes have added up on him. We haven't seen this season a whole lot of two big guys playing together. With what we saw from George Condon again in the game against Texas Saturday, with the injury to Weiler Babb, being locked into the 4-5 game in the Big 12 tournament, all these things, doesn't it make sense finally for Prome to push that button and say, hey, let's play Jacobson and Condon together a little bit, or let's go out there and play Condon together with Cam Lard as he's going to be back available again. Doesn't that make sense in a game that, in the grand scheme of things, really doesn't mean anything? Yeah, I think if they got into a, a good spot, Prome would maybe do it. I think he's, he seems a little bit set in, in that he's going to play four guards, you know, because he's been asked that question a lot. But when you look to next week and you start to look at that Baylor game, I think both times they played Baylor, you know, he was asked, um, you know, did you think about playing George Condon? And he basically said, yeah, I thought about it. And, and then obviously they didn't do it. And, you know, maybe the third time will be a thought. I love that from coaches. I thought about it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I thought about it. And maybe maybe when they get to next week there, they'll have a have that plan where he's going to play some minutes. You know, obviously the first time they played Baylor, Cameron Lard got hurt. I think that really yeah. affected them. But, but you know, that's the matchup that, that they got to be focused on. Obviously they got to win this week. I mean, you're still playing for seeding. I think – this is technically tomorrow classified as the Quadrant 2 game, but it's just barely in that Quadrant 2 and mostly because it's on the road. So it still would be their worst loss, and I think you don't want to damage your NCAA tournament resume um, with a loss at West Virginia. So, But if they get the game in control, maybe that's something that they can work on different things like that. Do you think that... Uh... I mean, it's, it's senior day on, on Saturday, of course, with Texas Tech in town. Do you think Lard's making his final appearance at Hilton Coliseum on Saturday? Well, that's a good question because, you know, obviously the, the one-game suspension, Prome said yesterday that he's all good to go. They talked, and he's back. And, you know, from everything I've heard, it was a pretty minor thing. It wasn't anything, I don't think, anything like before where he was going off to, you know, wellness center or anything like that. It was more just disciplinary from Prome. But as the suspensions add up, I think that's three or four or whatever, you just wonder what, what point is going to be the last leash. Mm-hmm. And I think when you get to the off season, you know, there's a lot more free time and there's a lot more things. And it's just like, it's just hard to say. You know, at some point, you think one of those suspensions is going to be the end of it. And this one apparently is not. But you know, I think right now they just got to get through the season and then see what happens. But I think that's always a question for fans. I mean, when it came out Saturday and you know posted that he – was not with them on the trip. You know that was a common response: is will he even play for them again? And mm-hmm. you know he will. You know it looks like he's going to play Wednesday. But I think that's every, at this point that's just a question every time. It's this last one. How about Lindell Wigington? Is this his final game in Hilton? Um, I would probably, I'd probably lean yes because I think last year he was pretty close to going. But at the same time, I think you know, he, I don't know if he's going to be picked in, in in the draft. I'd be shocked like if he was. And so if he's not, and if that's the feedback he gets, does he come back or does he say, I'll take my chances? And I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. You know, he has not talked about, you know, his professional part really since before the season since he decided to come back. Um, but that's going to be a big question for him because I think the advice is probably to come back for a junior season. But I don't know if anybody knows, does he want to do that or not? Alex, you are in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Your takeaways after having a chance to talk with David Montgomery, Akeem Butler, uh, and I believe your first experience over there in Indy for the Combine. Your takeaways? Yeah, first time over there, and um, you know, pretty interesting, kind of just to to see it. Um, you know, there, I think you kind of 
when uh, Kyler Murray was talking to the media, you see this huge group, and then you kind of walk down, and there's like two guys at the next podium, and it's just kind of <laughs> funny to to see to see that. Um, but I think all in all, is it it probably good, especially for Hakeem Butler. I think he's probably the biggest winner from the Iowa State group, um, or Iowa State duo, and maybe one of the bigger winners overall. You know, coming in with a what they've now said is an official of uh, 4.48 in the 40. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last week they were talking you know, if he could run anywhere in the four fives at his size, they would like that. So for him to beat run sub 4.5, I think, uh, is a big win for him. Uh, Montgomery, I think, you know, I think uh, to say he was a big winner, he probably would have wanted to run sub 4.6. But his time's right there with what Kareem Hunt was, and I think everybody kind of knew, scouts and management, going into it that he's not this breakaway guy. So his thing is going to be more how, how he does in the agility testing. Um, and so I don't think the 40 kills him, but, you know, I think he would have been a big winner had he run below 4.6. Uh, any takeaways from uh, non-Cyclones, somebody that you saw or listened to? I know you don't get to go in and actually watch them. You watch them on TV like everybody else, but anybody else catch your eye as far as maybe an interview or something somebody said or somebody walked by and, boy, oh, boy, I realized didn't realize this guy's this big. That's a big dude. Anything like that uh, from your time over in Indianapolis? Yeah, the, the buzz down there, and I guess this was kind of before because the picture came out, was DK Metcalf from yeah. Old Miss. Uh, and then he, I think we were down there, and he's doing the bench press, and I think he put up like 27 as a receiver, which is kind of uh, unheard of. That's not really no. – bench press isn't really something the scouts really care about, I don't think, for receivers, but he still did it. But at the same time, you know, he runs this crazy 40, puts up these crazy bench presses, and then he's like in the third percentile for the cone drill. And so he's this first-round pick, and he's really athletic, and he's kind of just freaky looking. But I think the biggest question now is like, can he do more than just a go route? You know, can he make mm-hmm. cuts and stuff? So it's interesting just how much different stuff comes out of this. And the NFL loves their measurables and their testing numbers, but there's a little bit more to it than just a 40-yard dash. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert. Alex, we will talk to you next week. Uh, you'll be in Kansas City. We look forward to catching up with you. Thank you very much, Alex Halstead. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert, joining us here as we talk Iowa State. Iowa State, West Virginia tomorrow. West Virginia's got three wins. Can you name them, sir? Kansas. One. That's the easy one. Kansas. Yeah, I I know they beat TCU. I don't know who the third one is. I was looking at you for help. Uh, Well, I hope Trent can figure out a third one because I only know two. Um, I'm going to cheat. I am, too. Let's see who wins. Texas. Was it Texas? They beat Texas? No, they didn't. No, I clicked on the wrong. Uh, I, I, oh, I clicked. I was on 2018, and I clicked on West Virginia 2018. That was they the they were better last year, Chad. Yes. They had a whole bunch of wins. Yes, they did. Uh, Kansas, Oklahoma, and TCU all at home. At home, though. A tricky spot, maybe. Look, Iowa State's got to <laughs> reignite. They're they're a week from what? Uh, eight nine days away from being in Kansas City playing Baylor. You don't want to see Baylor. Baylor's got your number. Baylor's got Drew's got Prom's number. That guy's our in state as fun as this winter has been, and we needed it for as mm-hmm. crappy as the weather has been mm-hmm. over the last couple of months. Really, everybody in a way is limping in. Drake got the regular season title, yeah, but they're banged up. But they're banged up, and now yeah. they're going to be without Wilkins. You yeah. and I had that stretch, but then they get throttled in Indiana State, yeah. and they go in. And of course, what's happened with Iowa and Iowa State? Mm-hmm. Who are you most confident? Taking all four into account. Four? Uh, to get this for to do the what? NBC schools would be winning the thing. Right. For Iowa and Iowa State to get to a Sweet 16. Oh, no. Neither one of them. Or, or E, all of the above. You have to take one. You have to, if I have to take one. You have to take one. Not knowing the matchups. 
I'm not as high on Iowa State as the country is. And they still, I don't get it. Doster, we we talked about Everybody, Trent, watch out for this team. If they get hot, really? Uh, You've got to play defense, and they don't. We know Iowa doesn't play defense. Mm. mm. Drake. Drake. Drake to win it, I guess. I don't know. I think I'm still on you and I. And the only reason for his matchups, and we know those matchups. And they're a six seed. They're a six seed. They've lost to Southern both times. Mm-hmm. But if they get Drake in the semis, toss up game. Yeah, absolutely. And they played well against Loyola, both they over did. there mm-hmm. and at home. They had a shot to win it against Loyola. So it's more matchups than anything. But I'm like you, it's E. It's none of the above, unfortunately. Right. And here's the thing I mean, we were, Iowa was finished on March the 1st last year. Yes. March the 1, done. Uh, that was brutal. Shelby Mast won't be. He joins the conversation next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXN. It's 24 hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. John Miller, com. when we rejoin after 11. And then Zubin Mahente, Sports Center. He's uh, eleven twenty. We'll talk sports with Zubin right now. Shelby Mast, bracketwag.com joins us in his normal Tuesday spot. Shelby Trenton, Ken, how are you, Shelby Mast? I'm hanging in there. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. Uh, Trent and I both, our biggest takeaway from last night, and we've had this, you know, for a better part of the last, oh, three or four weeks is, boy, this Virginia team is going to be a tough out. Boy, what a perform, what a display of three point shooting last night by Virginia. Shelby, my question to you is, is there any way or what would have to happen to knock them off the one? Cause they seem almost like they're locked there, aren't they? Yeah, locked on, on the one line. They're locked in there as the number one overall seed. If Zion comes back for Duke and he's completely healthy and they beat Carolina this weekend, they will probably be the number one overall seed, which would knock Virginia to the south region. But Virginia will be on the one line. This Virginia team, it feels a little bit different this year. But when you get in the NCAA tournament, it just takes that one bad game. We saw it last year against Maryland, Baltimore County. Who's the team in your mind still best equipped? Zion's coming back in. We do have to do this. We haven't done it, I don't think, yet this year. Shelby, you are a Duke fan. So does that taint you at all when you're putting this together? I try not to let it, and I think I've done a pretty good job of being very objective with them. In years past, I've had them lower than what they actually were. So I think I might be a little bit harder on them, actually. So, Shelby, how does a guy from Texas become a Duke fan outside of just falling in love with Christian Leitner? <laughs> it, it was it was before that. I fell in love with Johnny Dawkins. Ah. Back in the mid-'80s. And I did not like North Carolina, and I watched Duke beat Carolina in the regular season. I liked Johnny Dawkins and from then on, and then one of my best friends went and played with Leitner and got two national titles, so that just kind of enhanced things for me. What was that best friend's name? Thomas Hill. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh. indeed, he did get a yes. couple. Uh, that other the Hill was pretty face. good, too. Right. Yes. Uh, you know, you mentioned North Carolina, Duke, so we've got them this weekend. We may see it again before we get to the NCAA tournament. I hope we do. Uh, it's such a good, it's such a great rivalry in sports. North Carolina, their chances of getting to the one line based all upon what they, they've almost got to win the AC, ACC tournament, don't they? It's going to be close because usually by that time, the committee's got everything just about set, barring any shocker upsets that uh, you know games remaining to be played with teams that uh, can only get in with uh, winning their conference tournament. But things are pretty much set by Saturday, and the ACC has their finals on Saturday now. 
So they could slide up to that one line. They could get there this week, maybe if Tennessee loses a couple, because they're the next team mm-hmm. out of the of the one line for me. Uh, it's very possible the ACC since three teams on the one line. Really? Wow. Happened, uh, oh, what, about a, six, seven years ago with the Big East? Is that right? Ten years. 2009. Ten, 2009. Jeez. Louisville, UConn, and Pitt. If my yep. ne- memory serves, now nice Pitt, job, Trent. Two, two of those in the ACC now, right? Yeah, yeah. How, how crazy things could turn. What about the uh, the Big Ten? The it feels like six teams are pretty solid, including here locally the Iowa Hawkeyes. Ohio State maybe needs another win. Minnesota's still in the Gophers. Teams like that, and and how much deeper can it go? I mean, is it for everybody else? It's winning the Big Ten tournament to get in. I, Indiana still got an outside shot, even at Man. 15 and 14. I think that's that's horrible. And, and no offense to Indiana, but I would rather have a, a mid-major yep. that's got 25 wins than Indiana, but the committee doesn't seem to like to do that. So I think Indiana still has a shot. I think Nebraska's pretty much shot themselves in the foot. Minnesota is not safe by any stretch. I think Ohio State and Iowa are both locked. Uh, one more win from each would be nice. Iowa, I think, is sitting in better shape than Ohio State, but I feel Ohio State's pretty good considering how bad it is right below them. Mm, Iowa's got to go on the road and play Wisconsin on Thursday, senior night, as they'll say goodbye to Happen, then Nebraska, as they're going to say goodbye to Tim Miles, uh, you would think. But if it doesn't go Iowa's way, let's say that they lose their, their final two and then get picked off in the first round of the tournament, uh, the Big Ten tournament. You've got them as an eight seed right now, Shelby, not knowing what else is going to happen, and of course that plays into it. But I guess what's the what's the basement for this Iowa team? Eight right now. How far could they fall if they continue to fall through the standings? Losing at Wisconsin on senior not the committee's not going to ding them for that. Right. They probably won't fall off the eight line unless somebody on the nine line has a spectacular game. Uh, at Nebraska, it's senior not again. Um, I don't think the committee would really ding them. Maybe a seed line for that if it's a bad loss. Uh, Fran McCaffrey picked a bad time to get suspended. They get him back for that Nebraska game. Yep. And I, I, I think they, they need to go ahead and win that to stay out of double-digit seed. Mm-hmm. But lose first round of the Big uh, Ten tournament. I don't know. The draw's not set yet, so I don't know who they play. I can see them falling to the 10 line probably, maybe 11 at worst. I find it really hard to see them falling all the way out. Now, this is all in a vacuum. It depends. I mean, we could see some of these bubble teams get hot at the end of the year, make runs themselves in their conference tournament, pull some big upsets, and kind of move them forward, too. And the other component here is what happens in some of the mid-major leagues. Buffalo's in. They might not win the MAC, but they're going to be in. You go through some of these other squads that are out there, they're in really good shape. So there's still going to be plenty of bid stealers, possibility of bid stealers out there, and those one-bid leagues suddenly become two-bid leagues, right? Yes, that's absolutely true. I think Walford is another one that's mm-hmm. safe. Uh, Gonzaga, of course. Mm-hmm. Nevada, of course. I've got Utah State in now, but if uh, Nevada or Utah State doesn't win, then there's another possibility. Uh, VCU in the A-10. I want to believe that VCU is safe. I'm not 100% sold on that yet. I think that, in my mind, I think they should be. They've done enough. Played one heck of a tough schedule. Uh, and then you got to look at the Pac-12 also. I mean, Arizona State's barely in. And so it could very well be a one-bid league if a team like Arizona or one of the Oregon schools comes through and wins that tournament. There's another bid team. Uh, since Creighton's 120 miles away from us, they had a big win over Marquette this weekend. What what did that win do, if anything, uh, to the Blue Jays? 
For me, it took them off of life support and put them in the first four out, which is a pretty big jump. I don't like the fact that they're hovering right around 500, but they've got the wins. They have nothing really bad, just the amount of losses. Uh, They're absolutely alive and in the discussion. Going back to when we found the bracket reveal, this is being year number one of the new net system that is in place. And I want to ask it just because I kind of forgot, was there a component that we saw from the committee that maybe they're going to be looking at that some people are missing, some people are kind of forgetting about? Is there something influence that you saw at that point that we can look forward to here from a week and a half from now and and figure out how this bracket's going to look? I think one of the biggest things that came out of that for me is it seemed like they kind of brought back the eye test. That seems mm. to have been missing in the years past. I like it. Uh, a lot of these teams were seated a little bit higher or lower than I expected them to be, but not necessarily where I felt they should be. And I think, for me at least, it looked like they'd been watching a lot of games. I know they do watch the games, but the eye test just doesn't seem to have really factored into terribly much. And I'm wondering, is it because they don't trust the net yet and so they got to use their eyeballs? Or is they just they made a conscious effort to make the eye test back part of the thing? Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com. He's Gannett's Bracketologist, including the USA Today and the Des Moines Register. Well, let's do the same exercise that we did with Iowa. This time we'll change it to Iowa State. You have them on the six line. When that reveal that Trent was talking about came out, they were in the four and then promptly got beat that afternoon. Yeah couple of hours later. So Iowa State, they've got to go to West Virginia. West Virginia has three Big 12 wins, all of them at home, TCU, Oklahoma, and, of course, the win over Texas. Then they'll host uh, Texas Tech on on Senior Day uh, at Hilton, Texas Tech playing very well. And then by the looks of things, they're going to play Baylor, and uh, Drew's got Prohm's number, at least at this point, in their head-to-heads matchup. So Iowa State is a six. If the season doesn't end well for them, how far potentially could they fall? I could see them falling to the 8-9 game, especially if they lose to West Virginia because that's bottom team in the conference. That's a game that they should win. They are a better team than West Virginia, uh, regardless of where it's played. They should win that game. Texas Tech, that's one that's kind of a toss-up. I don't know if they will necessarily be expected or favored to win that. They, it's a possible win, but it's not going to be a bad loss. And then Baylor, I think that's another one where it's similar to Texas Tech on a little bit lesser level. Uh, they can beat Baylor, probably should, but might not. I don't think they get dinged too too much for that. Uh, worst case, they fall to an eight, I think. Uh, I could see them being a five also. Hmm. Is there a way that uh, the Big 12 regular season champ, and say it's Texas Tech, um, and then they go ahead to Kansas City and they win down there. Because right now, the, your, your highest seeding for a Big 12 school, and you have both Kansas and Texas Tech on the three line, K-State at this point is a four. Is there any way a Big 12 school um, can get to a two? Possibly a two. I said that's going to be the ceiling. Uh-huh. And, I, and I, Texas Tech and Kansas, I think, both have equal shots at that. Uh, you got to look at the Michigan, Michigan schools. Those are my last two teams on the two line. They play again, I believe. Yes, weekend. this week. Yep. Okay, so the loser of that is going to drop, not necessarily a seed line, but possibly. And then if they one of them loses in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, the same team that loses this weekend, that could drop them to the three and propel possibly Tech or Kansas up there, but right now LSU and Purdue are ahead of both of them. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com, BracketWag.com. He's Gannett's Bracketologist, and he'll be back with us a week from today as we get ever so closer to Selection Sunday. Shelby, thank you as always. 
Gentlemen, thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com. BracketWag.com. Iowa State, a six. Iowa, an eight. As we sit here today. John Miller, Hawkeye Nation, next. 1460 KXNO. 1460 KXNO. The Knights of Columbus Norwalk Chapter is holding their weekly fish fry fundraising dinner every Friday from now until April 12th during Lent. All proceeds from the event go right back into the Norwalk community, and the weekly event is held at St. John the Apostle Catholic Church starting at 5.30 and ends at 7 p.m. The Norwalk Knights of Columbus weekly fish fry fundraiser now through April 12th. Come see us. For more information, check us out on Facebook. 